previously on box cutters. Is that where they get the felt from? People. <laughs> it's it's like so the so felt. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 345. I get the message. I understand. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Ben McKenzie. How's it going, Josh? Very well. Yeah. Very well. You are not Courtney Hawking. No, I'm not. No, mm. I'm not. And, and I feel that empty space between us very keenly. It's, it, neither of us wanted to sit in a chair that wasn't ours. That's right. And, uh, and so now we have this just... Like Courtney-sized void between us, and no one can fill it but Courtney. No, no one. Alas, alack. Maybe she'll get here. Maybe she won't. I hope she won't. I'm, I'm missing her. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. If anybody's watching on the live feed Which, and uh, sees Courtney, no get her to feed. get her to give us a call because we're concerned. There's, Brett, there's no. There is no live feed. Video podcast live feed. There's no video podcast. Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, look, we were going to, and I promised it last week, we were going to review the season four of Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were going to do that with Courtney. It was a special request by Courtney. Courtney's not here, so we may or may not do that. What we will do, though, is, however, go into Brett's vault. Yes. Are you brave enough, Ben? I, well, I've never been in before, but I've played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and I can't imagine that it's more dangerous than that. Uh, we've we've also got one thing. Uh, we have uh, letters to box cutters, which was actually a uh, a, a post on the website. Uh, we have oh Ben McKenzie's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not currently well. He's wearing a Courtney hat, but that's metaphorical. Mm. But there's going to be a lot of hat switching tonight. I, later on, he's going to have a hat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I'm going to wait and find out what it is. You should. As you uh, fill facts into it. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Local television news, and it doesn't get more local than Win Canberra, the Channel Nine equivalent, the uh, the kind of Ch- Channel Nine sister station. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, Win is the network that has uh, Channel Nine shows over regional Australia, as well as Perth, Adelaide, Canberra, regional Australia, regional Australia. The, yeah. ca- the Canberra uh, News Bulletin. Where would you expect the Canberra News Bulletin to come out of, Brett? Canberra. There's, right. there's many, many journalists in Canberra. Yeah, there's, there's heaps, heaps of journalists in Canberra. <laughs> in fact, that's where journalists go. That's where they come from. That's, I, know, I know journalists who go to Canberra on holiday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's it's, just a great big journalist cave that they'll come out of in Canberra. Right, yeah. right. Well, it turns out that uh, Channel 9 or, or Win Canberra is going to be read out of Wollongong. Mm-hmm. Because it's a bigger city. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Which is bigger, Ben? We'll find. We'll come out. back to you. <laughs> we'll find out. Do you mean bigger in area population. or population? Okay, that's an easy one. In news overseas, the Sesame Workshop has had to lay off ten percent of its staff. So that's about thirty employees. 
uh, have, uh, have have gone. So are we losing cast uh, out of that loss? God, uh, no. Is Oscar going somewhere? God, no. This would be this would be the people who have the hot glue guns, I, I would guess. Or uh, it, it could be part of the educational unit. Uh, wh- whatever it is, they are cutting costs at Sesame Workshop, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty highly profitable. Are they on, on high, hard times? The- so this is a this this is a, a quote uh, a a Sesame Sesame Workshop spokesperson doesn't say who who it was said Sesame Sesame Workshop the non-profit organisation behind Sesame Street is constantly assessing where we must invest for the future in response to today's rapidly changing digital environment. Mm-hmm. But it, it it doesn't say so so all all they said is that they need to reduce their workforce by about ten percent to strategically focus resources it, i I would understand if they said we're, we're taking people from t v and and putting them, them online. into online or uh we need we need more people to manage the YouTube comments or something like that mm-hmm. but no, they just say we're we're just cutting these people maybe they need more felt there are changes all over the place including Hulu, mm-hmm. Walt Disney Company, NBC Universal, and News Corp are the three, uh, let's call them traditional owners, mm-hmm. the traditional owners of Hulu. Uh, they are selling up their stake in Hulu, and it's looking like one of Time Warner Cable, DirecTV, or the uh, uh, or, or a couple of private uh, non not media Real, companies? Not, not really media, kind of like investment. Or yeah. Uh, one of them is the Chernin Group, which is an investment firm owned by a former News Corp president. Uh, so this could be a way for Rupert Murdoch to get his hooks into Hulu as uh, as his own thing if he wanted to, if uh, Peter Chernin was, uh, was aligned with that sort of philosophy. It's just that's purely hypothetical. We could see uh, a similar decline, like MySpace. We could, we could, we could look. That was a mistake, and I think that's I, th- I think that's a, a lesson well learned by, uh, by by Rupert Murdoch. Or, or maybe there'll be a paywall around all of Hulu. Uh, yeah. Well, Hulu's uh, is it has a premium version, but there, there is a, there is a premium version. Yeah. But it, there's a lot of tight competition there now. We've spoken a lot about online TV in the US. And Netflix, very strong. Mm-hmm. Amazon, doing some, some good competition there. And Hulu has kind of been left behind. And I believe that its three owners don't really know what to do with it or how to deal with it. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, if, if Warner does pick it up, what they do with it, what's going to happen to all the content deals that Hulu has. Uh, it's, you know, Hulu is always a place to go to watch television that was also appearing on free-to-air networks Mm -hmm. and uh, unless you were cbs if you wanted to see something on cbs then you were automatically forwarded to the cbs website where you could watch things in shitty definition that's what they called it (laughs) that's the technical term that is the that is the technical term Mm uh so nothing else to say there except it'll be interesting to see what happens with hulu when uh that does get sold and uh what it's going to mean for the for the entire landscape of uh, of online television, which I think is also just part of a really interesting uh, really interesting landscape for us in Australia because we don't have the resources to produce our own at the moment or the market to make it worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 
once again, much like the rapture, left behind. In uh, in sad news, Ben, uh, a television friend of yours passed. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, Time Team presenter and archaeologist Mick Aston died. Um, he was aged sixty six. And he was he was the one um, with the wizard hair, as I always like to refer to him, because he had this long white hair coming out of his uh, head. Although he usually wore a beanie, because you know it was Time Team. They're out on the moors or in the field. It so was can, cold. I've never seen Time Team. Can you can you ex- explain? To me? It seemed like a men digging. That's basically not just men, um, women as well. Yes, it is, is people digging. It's a little more nuanced, perhaps, than that. So in England, you may not know this, Josh, but in, in England, in the United Kingdom... Uh, well, which say. is it? England or the United Kingdom? Because they get very angry about that. Oh, you're very accurate. Or uh, is it Great Britain? In the United Kingdom, they have a lot of uh, history made of buildings. Whereas in Australia, we have a little bit of history made of buildings and then a lot of history made of not buildings. Yeah, leaves. We have lots of leaves. Tens of thousands of years of history not made of buildings. But in in the United Kingdom, they have history made out of buildings, like Roman buildings. And they like to find those buildings. And so on Time Team, they go to places where people don't know what the history of the local area is, but they think something's going on. Like there used to be a castle built here or a Roman fort or something like that. And they dig up the ground to try and find evidence of what it is. And they do it on a time limit. Oh. They only have a few days to do it. So it's 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 uh, extreme archaeology. Because I always thought extreme archaeology was like Indiana Jones, but this is a lot more accurate as well, extreme archaeology. You know, it, it, sometimes, yeah, there is a rolling ball coming down towards them as they're trying to... I mean, those are the special Christmas episodes usually. <laughs> but Time Team is pretty extreme for archaeology. My favourite word said about him... Uh, that I found when looking up obituaries were um, Professor Francis Pryor, one of the other uh, archaeologists who worked on on Time Team, uh, described him as a remarkable archaeologist who could really dig. Also, the the death of uh, two two people whose work affected me greatly, Brent. I mm-hmm. I don't know how you felt about the work of Gary David Goldberg, uh, producer of uh, Family Ties and Spin City. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, Creator Family Ties, and uh, this is a, a show that really shaped me. And uh, because you've you've modelled yourself after Alex P. Keaton. Well, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I really I really wanted to. Like <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to be not the not the right wing part, but the like super, super organised business, business guy, being important, wearing a calculator watch. I wanted to do all of that. I had the calculator watch. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he he passed away at the age of 68. Uh, he had the brain cancer. Mm. Uh, it was sad, so sad for uh, him and his family. Uh, did some great TV, and so we thank him for uh, what he gave us. And also since the last time we spoke, Brett, uh, James Gandolfini passed away in Italy, aged 51. Far uh, too early. So, so early. And the... Uh, I, I think it's, you know, we, we talk a lot about The Sopranos and the importance of The Sopranos and in in the way The Sopranos was, the importance of James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano cannot go without recognition. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of recognition in the in the time between uh, his, his passing and now. Uh, but I think it's th- there would be no box cutters without a Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 
probably Sopranos would not have been what it was without James Gandolfini. I was lucky enough to see him on stage uh, in uh, Gods of Carnage uh, on on Broadway. Uh, just an, an excellent actor, brought so much to, to his roles, and uh, I cannot tell you how much he'll be missed. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm Tim Ferguson, and I listen, they listen, and you should listen to Box Cutters. They're sharp, they're small, and you can take over your own jumbo jet with them. Box Cutters. Uh, Brett, I, um, I, 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 I can see, I can see from the dirt on your face. I think I might have uh, breathed in some asbestos down in the, the vault, though. I can, I can I, tell. I think that might be what the illness is. I, I, can, I can tell from the, the wheeze, mm-hmm. the wheeze in your breath that you have been in the vault. I have, I have. Um, and uh, one, one of the, uh, the lovely things that I came across over the last week was uh, Funky Squad, which had uh, Tim Ferguson. I loved Funky Squad. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I was at high school when it was on, and uh, there was myself and a, a few of my friends were really we loved it. Cause like, it I, I bought the book and everything, like it was, and it was like a package, like an an annual. It was amazing. Because I, I loved Funky Squad, the uh, the the sketch on Triple M Breakfast when DGen did Triple M Breakfast mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and uh, Funky Squad was a really great sketch. And then uh, they made Frontline. Uh, and then Rob Sitch went over to do a uh, a, a business degree in the U.S. Huh. And while he was over doing a business degree in the U.S., they made Funky Squad with Tim Ferguson as the lead. Mm-hmm. They had uh, a what I can only imagine was a legitimate ABBA ad for National Electric Appliances with the tagline "Just slightly in the future." Uh, ah. It was pretty strange. Wow, I liked. Uh, they did. They did use a lot of uh, old ads on Funky Squad. I, they were. I remember watching it with my mum, and I had never seen any of these ads because most of them were from the early or mid seventies. So you know, just before I was born, certainly before I was watching TV, and my mum was going all crazy with nostalgia over them. And I'm like, I have no idea what these ads are. And she would go around singing the Lime Fresh. Uh, that was that was the one that she remembered the best, and I got it stuck in my head after that. And then and then a little while after that, I went, I think that ad might be a bit racist, actually. Did you did you love them so much that you had uh, you, you had VHS tapes of them? And I think I did have VHS tape. Yeah, yeah. Brett still has them in the in his vault. Really, I do. Do say more. That's why I need an entire vault. Um, now, uh, what I what I landed on was something from 1992. Oh, this is ABC, nineteen ninety two. That was uh, what the the clips that I have are uh, ads, I think, in general. Oh, okay. um, uh, even back then, the logies were kind of piss weak. Remember the 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 offside of the producer on Murphy Brown? Yeah, yeah, Miles. Miles. Yeah. Apparently, he was a, a big deal, and. Uh, he, <laughs> I'm not sure if he actually came out for those logies, uh, but he did record this uh, for the telly. TV Week announces Murphy Brown's Miles Silverberg appointed Logie's executive producer. Ray, Miles, let's talk Logies. Ray, do you have any idea how big this thing has gotten? Ray, this is turning into the biggest event in the television world. Oscar is dead. Logie is king. Ray, one question. What exactly is a Logie? I think they should have used a writer on that ad. 
That is amazing. Why would they? Here's a character you barely remember from a show you know is really good. Let's. Well, it's, that's weird. At the at the at the time, at, at the time, it was a character you probably knew from that's a show true. from a show that you knew was good. I mean, I, I, I do recognise him, you know, because I watch Murphy Brown. I would have said that. Was it Sheldon? Was probably a character higher up the rank in Murphy Brown than your no, the, the painter. A, what was the name hearing. of the painter in Murphy Brown? It was a Elvin. Elvin, I think, or Alvin, or El. Sure, you're not thinking of just shoot me. No, totally sure. Okay. No, you're thinking of Nina. No, friend of box cutters. Uh, I, I came across a couple of bits of his work. How hungry was I? Mighty double. So where did I go? Straight to KFC. Oh, one mighty double burger coming right up. She said. I thought I was seeing double. Two white chicken pieces, lettuce, mayo, and tangy barbecue sauce on a long sesame bun. Mm. Mighty double value, mighty double taste. So, where to? KFC! On the double. The mighty double. Notice they did have to uh, frankenbite the tasty barbecue sauce. Um, and uh, his his uh, a piece from the dynamic duo of the time, Willie and Red. A little bit you know milk? Yeah. Watch stuff comes in crates. Mm-hmm. It's come to my attention that these crates get stolen. It costs the milk industry heaps every year. I'm not sure what they're doing Guess here. who pays for that? Make your mark. Return a crate to your nearest milk seller today. Okay, so so I don't know. This, this is uh, Wilbur and Red. Naked, but Na- the, they're just from the shoulders up as it's opening up. And then, and then, and the when whole they, time they, they've been sitting. Where are they? They're not. It doesn't look like a sauna. In fact, it looks like they're outside on a city street. Why are they clearly not they're, wearing they're, shirts? Willie's very close to to right behind Red. Yes, yes. And every now and then they sort of look down like they're like something's going on. <laughs> it's it's very weird. It's it's not so. It's not homoerotic. It's just kind of like homonormative. It's just weird. Because <laughs> they're, they're just naked and very close to each other. And then they stand up, and what, neither of them mentions that, oh, you're naked too. No, they, but they've been sitting on milk crates. Except Red looks down at the red marks on, on Willie's bum from the crates. Yeah. I'm just, look, I'm just. I'm, I'm not sure who funded this thing. I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out what the pitch was because I can understand. A charity or some sort of organisation coming to celebrities who work together closely and saying, will you be in this ad? And them saying, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, and the concept is that you'll be nude. Okay, sure, it's for a good cause. This is for returning milk crates. So Why? Who? Who? Who funded it? Like, I, think, I think that's probably when Wilbur and Red both realised that the important part of the how much does this pay... Uh, it is the how much. <laughs> that is the it important be part. The only it, should, it shouldn't be it, like if, if they. If, they if probably they, maybe were still at the stage where they were just saying, "Is it paid? Does it, does it pay? Does it pay? Yes. Well, I'm not wearing any clothes already. I can't imagine that it would have cost them that much less to make that ad than to just make a whole bunch more milk crates. Like, there's <laughs> no scenario. Like, it doesn't make any sense that they're sitting around naked. It's all just to have the gag of the milk crate pattern on mm-hmm. their asses. 
and then there's no there's no reason like we don't we still I've watched it and I still don't understand why they're so close to each other and we only see them from the neck up at the start of the ad. Well, apart from that's the only way you could possibly frame it so you have both them both of them from the shoulders yeah, up. Yeah, except well, I mean the other thing is that they're clearly nude even in that bit of the ad. Like they're not wearing shirts. So we're already thinking, well, they're clearly not clothed because we're used to seeing them both wearing suits. Yes. When you when you saw them on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Yeah. It's like just such a weird thing. That's so odd. One more thing. Something that, uh, something that f- just feels like it's, it's from ancient history. Television tonight includes, uh, on second thoughts, why not interrupt your viewing tonight and telephone someone with the help of telecom STD night rates. What? They started at 6 p.m. Oh, beeps. What, why would I What's call... What's a telecom? Why would, I, why would I call someone... Well, if, well, I don't know what a telecom is. They have them in Britain, I think. What, what's an STD? Uh, no, they're called CIs beeps? now. <laughs> why would a this. network allow an ad on it that specifically says, don't watch television? <laughs> I mean, that's a bit weird. Again, not how much does it pay, but does it pay? I think yeah. is the... Uh, oh, yeah. The, that, is, that is an odd one, Brett. That is, firstly, why would I not watch TV? Well, maybe maybe telecom knew something uh, from the future that, that nobody else knew. 1992 was not not, not a great time for, for television. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the glory that was Twin Peaks had ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And there weren't any repeats of BJ and the Bear. So, really, nothing to get you through the, the, the nights. Uh, and... You know, it's around chances time and, and things like that. It's, it's an odd time oh, for... that explains the milk craze. No. Because Red and Willie were on Channel 9, which was where chances was. That is... Didn't, that wasn't is, everybody forced to, to sign the nudie That is a long bow, said Wilbur DeRay. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for, uh, for... I'll leave it there for the moment. Th- thank you for uh, r- risking mesothelioma. Uh, to go back into the vault. This is Alma from Sesame Street, and you're listening to Box Cutters, baby. <laughs> ben McKenzie. Yes. You are. You are a fan. Like you, you love you love things, and you love them a lot. Yes. Although, uh, there, I should say, people say this to me a lot. There's only a very small number of things that I love to the max. Right. To, to the max. To the max. One of them is 90s sayings. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another, of course, Doctor Who. People would know that from your podcast that you do with John Richards called Splendid Chaps. They would. Which they can hear every month at splendidchaps.com. Correct. Another is the goodies. It is. It is, John. Y- Josh. I'm one of them. You were in a play where you were Graham Garden on stage. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a show. And I performed it with Rob Lloyd, host, uh, sorry, guest on Box Cutters, just mm. uh, an episode or two ago. Uh, Tim Brooke Taylor. Uh, he played Tim Brooke Taylor. I yeah. played Graham Garden. And, the, and it, was, it was described, the most accurate description in a review or an interview was, this is basically Goody's fanfic, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and it kind of was. It was sort of this alternate history. But it was, it was meant to be a, a sort of exploration of, of comedic... Um, a collaboration and what happens mm-hmm. if you are collaborating as a trio and one of you leaves is that like a relationship where there are three of you who are equal and then what happens can you continue the oh, relationship so without one of them so there was there was no bill there was no one playing bill the conceit of the show was that it was set 
1975, just after, after they'd made the 1975 series, before they came back to make the series for the next year, and Bill decides he's going to bugger off and be a pop star. And, and it was all inspired by... Uh, they released a, a best of album mm-hmm. called The Very Best of the Goodies, Yum Yum, uh, with a lot of goodies songs on it. And the liner notes were written by Bill Oddie. And he, he final, finished it off with the line, uh, I'd like to thank the other two goodies, but I really can't. It would have been so much easier without them. <laughs> and the entire tone of the liner notes was basically, I could have been a proper rock star, but these guys, you know, I kind of was saddled with these two comedians as my band. And that's all everyone saw, anyone ever saw me as was this sort of frustrated rock star. Uh, which was intended to be, you know, not entirely serious, but it was in print. And as Tim, I think it was, when asked about it later, said that, you know, Bill needs to remember that irony doesn't work as well in print because uh, no one can hear your tone. Yeah, everything just seems sincere. But we, I was inspired by that, and we just sort of took that idea and ran with it. So I, so I, we, um, we workshopped the show uh was myself and Rob Lloyd as playing Tim and Scott Gooding, um, the director. And then I turned that into a script, the, the workshop scenes that we came up with, and we did it as a show. And the, and the show was meant to emulate and really sort of bring back that nostalgia for the goodies that people, you know, in the 30s now really have, in Australia particularly. Because it's one of the things that was always fascinated me is that the goodies are so popular here and not that popular in the UK because, in one big part, because they were never repeated. Uh, and when you delve more into that history, it starts to feel like it's not just a coincidence that they were never repeated. Like they, the last series of the goodies, so they ran for a really long time. Hmm. The goodies ran from 1970 to 1980. They did 10 seasons, nine, or maybe nine seasons, nine or 10 seasons. But the last season was not on the BBC. Uh, they had a bit of a dispute, the nature of which um, has been gone into in many books. And I, I, I don't want to deprive you um, of the pleasure of reading at least six different accounts of how that went (laughs) but they basically then said all right fine well we'll take our show somewhere else and they went to itv and made the show there and that final it was it was aired in australia on channel seven that season was yeah and then it was never repeated here but it was also for a long time it was the only goodies you could get on video like, it was released, half of that season was released on VHS in the 1980s. And is that the season with Bigfoot? That's the season with Bigfoot. The the four or five episodes that were on that video that hopefully other people remember, not just me, uh, were Bigfoot. There was one about a robot where they build a robot to replace Bill, and then the robot hangs around and becomes a member of the cast. Um, there's one where the robot comes back and tries to take over the goodies, and they have to prove they've still got it, even though they're really old. Um, which is all about them getting old because, you know, they've been doing it for 10 years. Um, there's one about football hooligans. I think I said that one already. Um, but, yeah, the, and the, the the amazing thing about that season is, for me at least, I consider the, some of the episodes in that last season to be as good as anything they ever did. Now, the episodes that were shown here were edited from the original yeah. UK. And that's because, I mean, it was never intended as a children's program. They were, and originally it went out like really late at night and that was not quite right. And then it went out here, it went out really early in the evening. Like, like six, six o'clock. Six o'clock, yeah. And there were boobs on it, Brent. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, they cut them out here, but they were supposed to be boobs. And, and there was a little bit of swearing, like nothing that we would consider swearing now. But when you watch even now... Well, not now, but when they were repeating them on the ABC, there would always be these slightly odd edits. And if you go back and watch the unedited episodes, you realise they've just cut out someone saying bastard or, you know, something or bloody hell or or something really that you would not consider swearing by today's standards at all. But when they were originally editing them in the 70s and 80s, 
they're a bit more sensitive for a children's time slot. Um, but, you know, they, they had that sort of adult humor and the, and the jokes were quite sophisticated in a lot of cases. Sometimes they were, you know, they did slapstick stuff in the joke sections as well. But then you'd have those filmed segments where it was all just slapstick and crazy visual gags and running around and like a real life Looney Tunes kind of style. Um, and some people have referred to them as, you know, it's like the goons put on TV. It's not like other shows. And the format, I think, is genius. Like, I often talk about how I think one of the things that Doctor Who has that makes it successful is that sort of format where he can go anywhere in time and space and take you with him. And the goodies is is the same sort of promise, but on a smaller scale. Like, they're, they're three guys who will do any job uh, any time. And so within the limitation that they probably won't go outside of... Uh, Great Britain or, or and Except they, no they, they went to Africa In a very oh, racist they, episode That Yeah Yeah Look uh, it, It's no In much the same way As much television In that era Is racist There's There's some racist Episodes of the goodies oh, yeah. There's one early one Where they do Like You know One of the worst Chinaman Phone book jokes I don't even remember Which one it is But they They just do it And then they do A whole bunch of other ones And um, They're supposed to be Bouncing around the world For charity and they go through all these countries and it's just horrible stereotype after horrible stereotype. It's pretty awful. And, you know, there's some blackface in some of them. Yes. Um, I mean, one of my favorite episodes, in fact, does have a blackface moment in it. And I would argue that you could, you could probably make a case that it's the least horrendous blackface because it's sending up the character doing it rather than the archetype that he's playing. But at the same time, it's still blackface. It's still pretty awful. Um, so it's a really... Yeah, it's not a safe program. But then there were, there, there were some really uh, uh, forward-thinking or, uh, or really dangerous uh, ideas around uh, around their comedy as well. And I, I remember the Winston Churchill episode yeah. where uh, Winston Churchill has not been outside for a very long time. And it turns out it's because he looks exactly like Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 back then, like the war was still fresh in a, a lot of people's memories, and it was okay to make jokes about Hitler in Dad's army, but there was, you know, th- but for Winston Churchill to look like Hitler, that's it's pretty. Edgy that that is time. irreverent. Yeah, that was taking a you know a national hero and an icon of the good parts of World War Two, as far as you know Great Britain were concerned, and parodying him. Which is not the only time they did that. You know, they, they, they did it in other times as well. They had a robot version of him that, we you know, would, um, they had... They oh, yeah, they had to... Accidentally uh, turned his hand around the wrong way. So when he's supposed to be doing the V sign, he's actually flipping everybody the bird. It was... It was uh, yeah, they did a lot of stuff that was not very respectful to their own culture, let alone other people's. So they did all this irreverent stuff. I'm, I'm amazed that they lasted 10 years on television. I didn't even know that. Well, they were very... I mean, the thing is, they were obviously very popular in the uk when they were on the screen but uh, the the sort of conspiracy theory argument is that um after they sort of had this transferred itv they weren't popular with the bbc and so the bbc never repeated them and so no one in england uh, or in the uk had seen them on tv for decades tell me ben do you think the goodies holds up because i know a lot of people who say Absolutely not. It's it's so much funnier in our memory. I disagree, and I could I have you, could you not disagree more? I could not disagree more. Um, I I have rewatched quite. I think one of the things for me about the goodies, and, and I say this when talking about British comedy, 
is I think they had a tremendously high hit rate. Like if you watch something like Monty Python's Flying Circus, everyone remembers the good sketches, but 50% of that show was rubbish mm. and was not funny. Whereas the most, I think the, any given series of the goodies, more than 50% of the episodes are great from start to finish. They might have a couple of dud moments, but because it's one story through from start to finish, it doesn't matter so much. And the episodes that are duds are, are sort of fairly few and far between. Like, there's, you know, there's a couple that are quite horribly racist and, you know, they don't stand up because you can't really watch those without going, oh, this isn't cool. But I think the jokes still really stand up well. And, I, and I, like I say, I think that last series really stands up well. The Bigfoot episode is phenomenal. Is, it is a ve- very good episode. Are all 10 series available on DVD? No. Unfortunately, the, the BBC's got this weird is idea it, about releasing them, so there's, there's no season of. box sets. There have been four volumes of sort of best-of episodes that have been cherry-picked from here, there, and everywhere. Uh, four, you know, three volumes of those, and then also the that ITV series is available on DVD in its entirety, which is great, because right. some of it... You get to see a couple of the episodes that don't work quite as well but it's still interesting um but yeah they've just sort of released this odd hodgepodge of episodes like from some series there's four or five episodes and from other series there's only one or two um so uh, there's there's sort of a there's still this sort of low rumble in the fan groups and there's some pretty devoted goodies fans out there and organized fan groups who would love to see season box sets released but i think the feeling is that outside of the uk those might do all right but inside the uk people probably just want to watch a few episodes and remember it where, where the actual money is yeah it's, it's not there yeah exactly thank you very much ben that's uh, that, that was lovely and now a walk in the black forest Uh, a lovely comment from Trudy Boxcutter. Hi, Boxcutters. Ray Hannibal, I was one of your listeners who asked you to review us. That was a while ago when it was still only a few episodes in. I was really liking it and was interested in your thoughts. Now I've watched the whole series. Upon reflection, I think it's been a case of style over substance. It looks so good, and that makes it seem really special. It's very gruesome, and that's compelling too. But the central story is all over the place and ultimately unsatisfying. Also, I've seen the pulled episode, and it's a stretch to relate it to the Boston bombings. So, that whole thing seemed like a ploy to bring attention to the show, which was a bit off-putting. That's it from me, still loving the show as much as ever. Cheerio! Trudy. Thanks, Trudy. Also, Ben Harris-Roxas uh, was one of the people who suggested that we watch uh, and review Hannibal and said that uh, said on the Twitters that he had about 2,000 words that he wanted to write about our review of Hannibal, has failed to do so, uh-huh. and, uh, and I, I, need to know, I need to know why. I need to know what he thought. He hasn't even hinted at it. So uh, hopefully we will, uh, we will find out more in the uh, coming weeks from Ben. If you have something to tell us, you can. Hooray at boxcutters.net or leave some uh, flaming swear words on the blog at boxcutters.net.
so I started watching this uh, th- this show that is kind of terrible, and I'm kind of interested to see where they take it. It's a, it's a US show, so mm-hmm. I don't even know what time it's on when it's on or what channel. But uh, I found I found it on my hard drive. What channel ten? It's called Who Done It, oh. and it's kind of like a mixture between The Mole and Cluedo. And Survivor. Cluedo was only an Australian thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so these uh, these uh, like thirteen people go to uh, a house, and one of them is killed in the first episode, and the others have to follow all these clues to try to find out who. Well, not actually killed, just play killed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they have to follow all these clues to find out who the murderer is, and so one of them is actually the murderer. And does the murderer know? I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. This is like this is professional development watching this for me. I should be watching this it's, show. It's really it's a really interesting concept. And I think it's been I, I don't know if it's been directed as well as it as it could or edited as, as well as it could, but it's it's a really interesting concept. Are they thirteen pretty people? No, they're thirteen kind of real people and three of them, I think, or at least two of them, have uh have history with Crime. One of them is an ex-cop, and one of them is a crime reporter. Uh, uh, um, is it is it like a bit over polished, like The Bachelor? N- no, it's yeah. It kind of feels a little bit over polished, like that, and also a little bit rough in that it's just uh, they haven't quite worked out where all the camera angles should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting concept though, and uh, I. I'm at least going to watch the rest of the first episode, which I switched off going, it's too long. I think it'd be great as half-hour episodes. Oh, the, uh, the the person who solves it gets to win $250,000. And the people who have the worst guesses every week are the next victim. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that's that's how they, they eliminate people by, uh, by killing them. So it's a little bit like Series 7. Ben, if you were going to watch one thing, just make it up. I, I don't have to make it up. I would. I know exactly what I'd be watching because it's Tour de France time. And oh. uh, a couple of years ago, one of my very good friends, Karen Pickering, um, converted me to a Tour de France watcher. And I, I only understand a little bit about how the race works. It's very complex. I've Ka- been learning- Karen Pickering, just so, for, for those who don't know, used to do those calendars of the politicians naked. Yes. Careful, they're starkers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I and I, I kind of love it. Um, I like to put it on in the background. If you haven't watched it, there's a phenomenon in the SBS coverage, uh, which we refer to as Troll DJ. So a couple of years ago during the coverage, people noticed that the DJ, whoever was organizing the music for when they were coming back from the break and showing like little clips of what had happened, um, was getting very ridiculous. Like they would put in very literal things. Like if it was raining, they'd be <laughs> showing clips of the riders riding through the rain to It's Raining Men. Yes. Uh, some oh, really one of my not, not riders on the storm. Uh, they might no. They then? probably would also have done riders on the storm. Um, and that anything that involves cycling, they put in. There's a lot of times you get a bicycle race by Queen, mm-hmm. and so people started referring to the the person whoever it was who was organising the music as troll DJ because he was trolling the Twitter audience particularly. And SBS didn't just notice that. They picked it up and ran with it. And it has got even more ridiculous as the oh. years have gone by. So that's always a pleasure. Uh, so, uh, how, so has the tour, the tour started already? It started, yes. How, it's only a few days in. How has the uh, controversy of the last 12 months affected affected it? I was interested in that too. And it really never came up in the commentary. So SBS uh, does its own commentary. Um 
and it's uh, and it's it's great, but it's um, it's not. Yeah, they haven't really mentioned it. It hasn't. Right. They haven't talked about it much. Um, they talk about injuries. They really they concentrate on talking about the riders this year, particularly the famous ones that people know about who who might win, like Vukla or or Cadell Evans, and. Um, they're really they're interesting characters on their own so they kind of they're really concentrating and also this year's the the 100th uh tour de france so there's a lot of sort of anniversary stuff happening and they're going an alternate route this year um the exciting thing i found out about is they're actually going to finish in paris um near the at the eiffel tower at night time they're gonna have to ride their bicycles up the eiffel tower <laughs> it's gonna be mad the last person to get the, to the top but it's going to be a lot of fun. Gets pushed off. And it is, it's one of those things that it's really a lot of fun to invite your friends around and just have on. Because unlike a lot of things that you do that with, you don't have to pay a lot of attention. Because uh, it's just, you know, it's a bicycle race that it's goes like for a month. So, yeah, it's just on in the background. And, and every now and then something interesting will happen. Everyone goes, hey. But you, it's a really great thing to be watching communally while doing other things. Nice. Yeah. So I love it. That's what I'll be watching. Brett? I've got on a kick of uh, finishing off things. Mm-hmm. Recently, uh, went through to the Bad end of Thirty time. Rock the other the fi- other week. Finished off that video of us in Austin that you said you were going to edit. No, I, I haven't actually. There's there's been codec issues with that. You've got to but, put uh, it on the video that, podcast. More of that later on. Yes, there is no video podcast. We explained that earlier. So I finished off Thirty Rock, uh, the, yep, the final uh, season, and uh, now I've just realised I've got six episodes of The Office US. Ah, uh, uh, so oh, I'm going to be doing too, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm so far behind in that. Is it, has it has Steve Carell left in where you're up to yet? I think the last episode I saw was, um, yeah, it was just after he left, and it was with. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. What's Do his I, name? Jim. No, the one from the guy from Boston Legal, James James Spader. James Spader. Oh, yeah, yes. the last episode Robert I California. saw was, was a James Spader episode. Yeah, yeah. freaked me out. Um, I, I was I was very emotional about uh, Steve Carell or Michael Scott leaving the yeah. show. I, I, I suspect that I'm not going to be the same with the end, the final nail in the coffin of the show. You are a hard oh, man. Kenzie, this whole time you've had your hat hidden. Mm. You've been wearing your Courtney hat. Yeah, but I've taken it off now. You've taken that off and you put another hat on. And what hat is that? It's a straw boater. Oh. Yeah. In, in, honor, in, in honor of uh, Courtney and how much she loves Great Gatsby. That's right. You've put on a straw boater. I wanted to go back to that era and mm. really relive it for her. I like um, that. Yeah, so I hope she hears this edition of the podcast and, and realizes we all miss her. Yeah, we do. We do miss her. I hope she hears her phone when it rings. She will. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, but I've managed to catch some facts in the boater. Yes. So I'll take it off and let them out. Oh, look at them fly around the room. Uh, we were talking about Canberra News, uh, now coming out of Wollongong, mm. which is exciting. And you were wondering, well, which is bigger, Canberra or Wollongong? Mm. And the answer is Canberra is bigger, uh, both in terms of population. It's about 25% bigger population than Wollongong and about 19% bigger area. Wow. Wollongong. So it is bigger on both counts, but not that much bigger. So it's, um, and, and look, you know, neither of those factor in the amount of interesting people who live there, which is probably bigger in Wollongong. Or talented. Although I'd like to send a shout out to my friends who live in Canberra, because they are obviously the interesting people who live in Canberra. Yeah, but they're concentrated within your friend's house. 
more or less yeah 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 so um yeah so that's probably not a surprise uh but also it's it's not a big difference so maybe that explains a bit why they don't feel like they need to have also i I, you know what i was thinking about this and i reckon that the problem is that there's too many national journalists and broadcasters in canberra all covering it for national news so there's no room for local journalists what are they going to do well isn't local news in canberra generally uh national news anyway yeah i guess so also, you mentioned that there was a spokesman from the Sesame Workshop talking about the layoffs at Sesame Street. You didn't mention who that spokesperson was. Didn't, didn't say in the article. Uh, it was, in fact, Abigail Snuffleupagus, who is oh. uh, Snuffy's cousin. Uh, she only appeared on screen in one episode and then went to work behind the scenes oh, uh, as a union liaison. So She has a little, like, a purple a purple bow in her... Uh, That's right. In, in her uh, well, yeah, and she... Um, well, when she appeared, she was wearing... Uh, uh, like a lei, you know, like the the garland like, of flowers that they yeah. give you in in Hawaii, and a yeah, and a and a flower in her hair, mm. Mm. Uh, which she still wears. It's now her union uniform. Right, right. Mm. Uh, that's good. Thanks, thanks. It's uh, uh, you know, I still miss the days when people like real humans couldn't see Snuffleupagus. There was, you know, any time you read about the changes made to Sesame Street, you kind of recognise that. Some of the changes are made for a good reason, but they also make you feel like maybe TV has become a little less free and joyful. Like Don Music, remember the character Don Music who would always get frustrated when he was trying to play a song and he'd smash his head into a so keyboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took him off the air partly because the guy who had played him had died, although they kept using old segments of him for a while after that. But then they took him off the air completely and never put him in any new episodes of Sesame Street because they found that kids were emulating his self-harm like they were smacking their heads oh. into things and now and kids like, and now kids oh. these days they just don't want to get better at anything yeah it's true yeah you can't have can't have pleasure without well, pain thanks, thanks for those facts ben was don music brother of guy smiley i always go they are now now this is oh, this is a spoiler alert um mm-hmm. they're the same puppet but different characters with slightly different accoutrements different hair but the same head yeah. and similar eyes and nose. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Late breaking news. Yes. Uh, received a text message from Courtney Hawking. <laughs> she just woke up. I should be what? She's still unwell. Still, still unwell. She went to have a nap, uh, passed out. Oh no! Woke up way too late. So I hope uh, I'm not like that in a week. So do I. <laughs> so do I. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode three hundred and forty-five. I want to say thanks so much to Ben McKenzie for filling in for Courtney Hawkins. It's, it's great been a pleasure. Job. Great it's been job. A pleasure. Great job. Until next week. Oh, hang on. Did you you've, have you got a you got two gigs two yeah. gigs yeah I should plug those right you should you because should totally that's why I'm here isn't it why I'm here <laughs> it's not why I I'm thought here it was that is a cynical Brett. I thought you just I want an excuse to see Brett every week that is a cynical reason to be here no I'm here because I enjoy being on the show but I do have two two uh, things coming up <laughs> as an aside <laughs> as an aside uh, I am I am doing a show in the Melbourne Magic Festival oh, I love the Magic Festival with Nicholas J Johnson Australia's the, um, honest con man to the mm-pff. Yeah, the oomph. Yeah, we're doing a show on the oomph uh, at the Northcote Town Hall. It's called Beat the Cheat. Uh, so I'm in it. He's in it. It's 
basically a giant board game and it's a, it's a magic show themed around a board game where you play against uh, each other in the audience so there's two teams of audience members who are playing against each other this giant board game and they have to in order to advance to the board game play challenges against Nick who is the cheat of the title who will cheat all the way through so it's uh, it's all the nerdy things all combined together uh, with magic and board games you've just given me the biggest nerd boner I ever. know <laughs> how great is that as an idea when, is, I, that, when is that on? Uh, it opens on Tuesday the 7th uh, sorry Tuesday the uh, oh, 9th, uh, ju- 9th of July. The 9th. Tuesday the 9th of July uh, runs for five days through to Saturday the 13th and uh, it, or 14th and it will be uh, at 7.30 at the Northcote Town Hall. You can find out more about it at melbournemagicfestival.com and of course there is also another Splendid Chaps coming up in a couple of weeks. That's on uh, Sunday the 14th of July. We'll be back at the Public Bar and we'll be talking about the 7th Doctor Sylvester McCoy and we'll also be talking about religion in Doctor Who, our guests will include Paul Callahan, Dave Bluestein, a uh, TV writer mm-hmm. uh, and comedian. One-time guest on Boxcutters. And also uh, the Reverend Dr. Avril, who is from the Church of the Latter-day Geek, which you may have seen on In Gordon Street tonight with Adam Hills. So we're very excited about that and all details about that show, splendidchaps.com. Excellent. There's also a, a new episode of I should probably say the, Please uh, do. the, the Nudge, sure. the yeah. Nudge, uh, the uh, d- podcast all about being better designers, mm-hmm. uh, starring uh, st- starring uh, oh, Ross stars stars. Yeah, yeah. The robot has started saying starring the voices of. It's hosted by a robot, right? This yeah. show, and uh, and then says starring the voices of, and so there's Ross Floyd, Jerome, it's Blake, like, Jones, it's like Ted Shelf. It's like Tent Tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, like David Tent Tonight, uh, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, or Max Headroom. Yeah, it's 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 like that. But this this one's, well, not as mouthy as uh, Max Headroom or, 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 or Tent, but uh, it's uh, still, uh, still, you know, she's got opinions. <laughs> she has <laughs> got her opinions. It's a lady robot. Yeah, this, uh, this episode, uh, all about passion. So, thenudge.com.au... Uh, if you, if you want to check that out, and I'm, a, I'm a subscriber to oh, the Nudge. That's you're a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer. <laughs> Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Ben McKenzie. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards, and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. See, so, you know, last week I didn't end the show properly, Brett. So I didn't, I well, didn't nobody was a, here. Well, no, no one was here. I wasn't even here. And I didn't have the right accoutrement to... Uh, to, to finish the show but th- and there was something missing particularly so maybe it wasn't my maybe it wasn't my hosting quality but the certain lack of a special someone this guy hi this is pete smith you've been listening to or have just missed box cutters <laughs> <laughs>